0: Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Welcome in, everyone. It is Thursday and it is time for the Perfect Strangers Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Furby Montano, otherwise known as Chubby Elvis. And hey, thanks for joining me today. Jumping right into it. Today on the show, we have a woman by the name of Rachel Wonderly. Now, Rachel has become a pretty good friend of mine uh, through TikTok. I found her TikToks where she was talking about leaving the Mormon church and what that was like for her. And I found it super fascinating. Her stories and the way that she kind of presented her leaving uh, was very interesting, I guess is the best way to put it. Lo and behold, um, I strike up some conversations with her, and she's actually a super cool person. So I asked her to be on the show, she agreed. And yeah, in in this episode, we we talk a lot about uh, her leaving the Mormon church, uh, her leaving fundamental Christian um, life and kind of uh, becoming who she is today. And, and, you know, breaking off from religion, which was uh, a very interesting conversation to have uh, when you're having a first conversation with somebody. But Rachel, she's super cool, uh, super down to earth, a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, I, I really enjoyed talking with her. Um, even now to this day, we still message um, a lot on, on social media. And um, no, she's, she's super cool. I, I really like Rachel a lot. So um, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I'm just going to let you listen. So ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Wonderly. And thank you again for listening. But yes, Rachel, thank you so much for joining. Uh, We were talking right before here. Yes, I don't go by Furby because people are weird and they try to find me online sometimes. With a name like Furby.
1: You know, I should have thought that through before I made my username my actual full disclosed (laughs) name. (laughs)
0: At least with a name like Rachel, it's it's a little easier. Like maybe there's another one, even though I know you have kind of a unique last name. But oh yeah, it's
1: the last name. The last name kills me every time. Like there's only one family with my last name and it's my family. So if anybody meets another Wonderly out there, we are related for sure.
0: Are you are you originally you, you live in Utah, correct?
1: I live in Salt Lake right now. Yeah, I'm originally from New
0: York, though. That's right. You told me that. I remember hearing or I remember you saying that. Yeah.
1: yeah, DC for seven years, New York for seven to eight years, and then we moved to Salt Lake when I was like 17. So I've been here for a long time now. I would consider it home now. Very cool.
0: Yeah. I've, I've never been to Salt Lake. I've been to Utah a couple of times, but never Salt Lake. It's a, but Utah's a beautiful state.
1: It's so pretty, honestly. There, I stumbled upon just Utah TikTok, and apparently Utahns like to just hate on Utah and make it a big joke that like, Utah sucks, and if you're a native here, you want to leave. But if you, I think people say that because of the culture, because it is a little weird, but the state is awesome. The mountains, the lakes, it's so cool.
0: See, I can relate to that. I live in Florida, so... Ooh, every, you live every, in, yeah, everyone oh, okay. from Florida. Yeah, every, everyone from Florida. Anytime I see something from Florida, it's either like, don't talk shit about my Florida, or it's like, yeah, <laughs> we're trash. I know, I know.
1: That's so funny. My ex husband's from Florida, so I I had a lot of experience in Florida for a bit. What what part? Oviedo.
0: Oh, I'm in Orlando. I'm like just south of there. So
1: no way. Okay, yeah, yeah. he went to Oviedo High School and yeah it was it was that's the only time i mean i had gone to florida for disney and universal but when when we were together we were there quite a bit Yeah, it's not like my favorite place in america but there are certain parts that i will enjoy for
0: sure i I live here and it's not my favorite place either trust me (laughs) I, I so my fiance, she was born and raised or she was raised, excuse me, in Tallahassee. Um just Oh cool, okay. Like, like right on the Georgia border. So her parents live here and that's why we moved to Orlando. Um nice. I'm, I'm from New Mexico originally, so Florida.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you're used to the heat then regardless.
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm from Santa Fe, so it doesn't get too hot there. Oh, uh, does it
1: not? Okay. No,
0: no. Man, but, so
1: Florida is a lot to uh, get used to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I see. I lived in Texas before. Texas is hot, but it doesn't have like the thousand percent humidity that Orlando has. So that, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not about like right now is like they just started making bugs for the season. So I go outside <laughs> and there's like mosquitoes and these weird things that fly everywhere they're like this big around like they're huge bugs here i I don't like all that
1: i don't like the bugs i don't like that floridians treat alligators like they're just squirrels i am like what the fuck (laughs) like what is going on my ex would just like just to piss me off flip me off of um jet skis in gator infested water because he's just used to it and i'm like um, last thing I checked, last time I checked, there was one that came out of the water snagged a three-year-old at Disneyland and pulled him in. So I'm not messing with these guys.
0: You know, it's funny. I was so terrified of gators and now we have four in the pond right around the street from my house and, uh, they're not bad. They just chill. They're, they just chill. They just chill. I could walk right by them. They don't even bat an eye. They just sort of stay there. If they get hot, they go in the water. Like, Oh, okay. I mean, dang. Yeah, I've only had a
1: few encounters with them be- from mainly on a golf course. My brother's a, a golfer, so we would always follow his tours, and a lot of them were in Florida. So we saw very a, a very big amount of gators back then.
0: Very cool. Well, um, yeah, I guess we just hopped into conversation. We didn't. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, so you're okay. So your yeah. your your whole thing is called. Co- I love the title, "Perfect Strangers." Like, how That's fitting it. is that? Thank you. And I'm assuming you just kind of like get to like know people from
0: all over and all different backgrounds and stuff. Pretty much. If you excuse me, I'm going to pop in a cough drop while I'm at it because my throat. Yeah, go direct. ahead. But, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. It, it started out um, me and a woman who I met on TikTok. Her name is Fran. Uh, we had started this podcast together um, and we were going to do just me and her say, like forming a friendship literally through a podcast. That was the original idea. Um, She just got busy, couldn't commit to it. So I kept it on and I was like, Hey, you know, I have a few followers on TikTok. I talk with a lot of people on there. Why not just get to know them as people? And that's kind of how it started. So
1: That's so rad. So what brought you like onto TikTok originally? Aside Um, from being a watcher, but what made you (laughs) transition from a viewer to a creator?
0: So I have always done stupid videos just very, <laughs> like really mindless entertainment. That's that's yeah. just that's me. Uh, I'm a millennial, how can you not, right? I know, same. <laughs> we know what's up. <laughs> um so I downloaded the app. I was watching or excuse me, listening to uh the your mom's house podcast with Tom Segura. Oh, okay. Um, I
1: have heard of that. Yep.
0: Yeah, they they do a, his wife is also on there with him and she does a segment where she shows people tiktoks that she had seen and this is when the app was like very very new so it was like some very unhinged people <laughs> so that no that, one knows how to create what to create not even yeah. that it was she she was kind of going lowbrow with it if i'm being honest with you <laughs> you know so i got onto it for that like oh if that's what this app is this is right there for me and yeah. uh Yeah. From there, I just started making like dumb little, like 15 second videos and it grew.
1: It just grew. Isn't that so funny? Like people find, you find like typically your own niche is just who you are or like has to do with things that you've experienced. And and obviously the people who end up following are the ones who either find it entertaining or can relate. And that's the part that I find the most fascinating is the people who follow because they can relate. And I'm like, okay, regardless of how ridiculous or serious it is, relatability seems to be something that people crave and find really important. I mean, I myself value that when I find somebody that is portraying exactly what I'm feeling, but, I, but they're doing it better than me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you. I'll take that.
0: Well, it in my life. I, I will say your TikTok, it, it's it's definitely that where people can relate to it because uh, <laughs> I I don't you you're doing something and and for those of you that don't know her TikTok, it's uh, a lot of it is centered around uh, the Mormon Church, correct?
1: It's centered around just ex religion in general because okay. I was fully embedded into Mormonism and then fully embedded into evangelical Christianity. So like life after religion.
0: Which I can relate to because I grew up very Catholic. Um, Okay. Where I'm from is super Catholic heavy. Like you're going to hell if you don't do exactly what we say. I went to Catholic school growing up. So um, very, uh, very heavy Catholic. Um, Not necessarily my parents, but just where I grew up. Um, So I kind of felt you, you were talking about like feeling a little ostracized when you left the church. I was like, holy shit. I know what that feels like.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think like a um, abandonment in general or grief in general. I think a lot of people like think of grief as somebody has to die. But I mean, in the last year I've experienced both like the loss of because of death and then the loss because of just people removing themselves from your life. And it's all under the umbrella of grief. And I feel like anybody who's left any type of organization, whether, whether that's religion or sales or like something that is like a culture that's created around the organization. It's so hard to leave. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's grief that people experience regardless of what type of organization or religion it is. So hopefully it can be relatable to people who aren't having to have grown up Mormon or, you know, be a, a part of evangelical Christianity, but That's wild. So Catholicism. Yeah. I mean, I grew up around basically only Catholics and Jewish people. (laughs) So I'm very familiar. I went to like Catholic mass quite a bit with my friends just because I was intrigued by that as a child and then plenty of bar and bat mitzvahs um, growing up. So it's, it's fascinating to me to hear like where people came from and where they're at now and what brought them to leave. Like, why did you end up leaving?
0: Um, In short, I always kind of felt like, and the, forgive me for saying it this way, but I felt like Christianity in general was a lot of bullshit. Fully um, forgiven. <laughs> yeah, I, I, ever when I was a little kid, like I, I remember my first real kind of experience with any kind of religion was going to make my first Holy Communion. And I started just skipping class because it was so dumb to me. That's hilarious. Like I was eight years old and I was sitting there and I would ask questions and the priest would get very upset with me because I would ask questions he couldn't answer. And I, there was just something so wrong about that to me. Yeah. Like just do, do what we tell you. Don't ask questions. And okay, no, I didn't, I didn't like that. So I stopped going. Uh, <laughs> come the, the day when it's time to make our first communion, I had to tell my parents, Hey, by the way, I'm not going to be doing that because I haven't been going to class, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my parents—they were—they were both very open-minded people, so they didn't force me to do something I didn't want to do, which I always appreciated. Wow, um, that's
1: really awesome.
0: I think they—they they could tell that it wasn't for me, and they didn't want to force whatever beliefs their parents put on them onto their children. Plus, they had gone through a very, very traumatic divorce that I was oh, stuck in man. the middle. So. It was one of those things where i think they didn't want to they wanted to choose their battles with me because they knew that i had been through a lot with them um that's like, so great. yeah i just on their I, part yeah i mean i went to with my dad and my stepmom um they were you know very my dad not so much my stepmom very heavy catholic going to church every sunday and confession she was very mad i didn't make my communion and then my mom Sort of bounced around. She did uh, the whole evangelical thing for a little while. So we did evangelical churches. Um, she tried not necessarily atheism, but just I don't know what there is like agnostic, says agnostic. Yeah, ag- yeah, agnostic
1: spiritual, not like opposed to the idea that there's something else, but like no, not a clue what it is or. Right. Yeah. But she said yeah, that's, so. that's where you're at, like right now, or that's where your mom is?
0: Uh, my mom. I think she believes in something, but not really necessarily the Christian God, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me, I I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm true agnostic. I have no idea. And I don't try to pretend like I do.
1: Yeah. Um, That's, I mean, that in and of itself is a pretty powerful statement because, I mean, growing up for me personally, in many environments where people thought that they for sure had the full truest truth of all truths. And then to find out, like, you know, I first found out that Mormonism was bullshit. And then I jumped into evangelical Christianity as basically a way of like saving myself from, from committing suicide after leaving the Mormon church. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is truth. And I was just so naive to to the idea that like, maybe I'm not jumping into another fully true truth situation. But at the time I was just like, oh no, God's clearly guiding me to this area. So this must be true. It's really powerful when I hear people say things like, I don't pretend to know, nor do I think like I ever will type thing. Cause I, I mean, I think that that's true. I think if we can, as people feel at peace with the idea that we don't know and that we're not going to know until we die. And even then who knows what we're going to find out or if we'll find out anything, I think that's a scary, that's a scary place for people to be, but if they can get to a place of peace with that idea, it's like it opens the doors wide open to, to just life in general and in, the way you can look at life.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it took me a long time to accept that. That's how I felt. Um, yeah. Like you said, because I was I was ter- me, for me my biggest fear when I was younger was always dying. I did not want to die, and I had well, a lot yeah. of friends when I was younger that died young, and a lot of yeah. like drugs and stuff in my family where people died and horrific ways and i didn't want that to be me so i had this crippling fear of death where i wouldn't do stuff simply because i was afraid like well what if i die doing that you know oh my and, uh, gosh and, and, and it even spread to like like my career like i wouldn't do certain careers because i'm like well i don't want to do that and then then die doing that or i don't want to do that and then die Whoa. wasting time with that like it got because really deep.
1: you had like a fear of hell and you thought you were going there
0: no it was never a fear of hell um I, this sounds like a joke i swear to god it's not to me hell always seemed like more fun because <laughs> i know i know i know how No, i can totally relate to that yeah because it always seemed to me like the people that were always preaching at me, you're not going to get in heaven you're not going to get into heaven if you do this or that They're, they sucked like they were the worst fucking people so i i curse by the way i'm not sure if you do so um i'm I'm being good right now but
1: (laughs) if you were if my siblings were in here they'd be like the fuck what are you doing (laughs) this
0: i i I just always (laughs) like to put it out there yeah i just always (laughs) like to put it out there just in case but um no like they were always the most fucked up people and it was very obvious you know and i i was like if these are the people that are going to be in heaven i'm gonna really hate heaven so i think hell will probably be better for me so yeah so it was never a fear of hell it was a fear of not living anymore like not knowing what happens after you die that's always kind of terrified me because I'm like well what if that's just it and I go to sleep and then that's it like I have no idea or what if I end up in this room somewhere and then there's fire everywhere what if I end up coming out of someone's birth canal and I'm a baby again like I have no idea yeah and that always freaked me out oh I didn't I didn't want to know
1: So in Catholicism, do they not talk about like the afterlife aside from just if you don't believe these things, you'll go to hell or something like because in Mormonism and and evangelical Christianity, there's like so much talk of like eternity and Mormons think they know exactly what's going to go down, like down to like the different. We have different levels of heaven and like you have to be a certain level of worthiness to get there. Like they pretty much have mapped out exactly what's going to happen. And then Christians kind of the same kind of the same thing so like that is fascinating to me
0: I want to come back to that because I want to hear more about that (laughs) Uh, but to answer your question um it's kind of different in every church and it's kind of different depending where you are um so the church that I grew up in it was a very small church I lived in a really small town outside of Santa Fe that um our church maybe had 60 people 70 people like it was very small And um, our priest was very old school, but he was also quite clearly a gay man who was very open to a lot of ideas, especially in the 90s. So when it came to heaven, hell, that type of stuff, he was very open where a lot of people would have been like, oh, if you're gay, Uh you're not going to heaven. Or if you do this, you're not going to heaven. And he was very much like, don't judge people. You don't know them. and everyone's going to get into heaven unless you're truly heinous so if you're like Hitler would not get into heaven but okay if you talk back to your mom you're fine <laughs> that's where
1: they draw the line Hitler yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so
0: he was saying unless you're you're a truly evil person you're, you're gonna get into heaven that's kind of how he would spin it so okay um but I when I went to Catholic school they would do it as if you aren't living by the Bible you're going to help and that I always had a problem with because I'm like, dude, I'm 16, like, premarital sex is a thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, back back to yours. So the different levels. I've heard this before, but I don't know anything about it. Can you explain Yeah. That a little
1: more? So in Mormonism, they basically Mormons don't preach about like hell. They do not talk about. Like the word hell is not ever said. It's, if anything, they call it outer darkness. And even outer darkness is like not, like they really rarely talk about it. Basically what heaven is in Mormonism is, if you die and you have not been baptized into the Mormon church, you basically go to a waiting room where Mormon missionaries can come talk to you and tell you about the church. And then at that point, you can accept it or you know go into outer darkness. And if you accept it, then you can start working your way up the levels of heaven, and there's three levels. There's the celestial kingdom at the top, those that's for like you know the prophets and the worthiest of worthy people. Well, really, if you get married in the temple and um and you like you know wear your Mormon underwear your whole life and you follow all the rules, you're probably going to the celestial kingdom. Then let's see, sea turtle, okay. Then there's
0: <laughs> the wait, tur- wait. Well, this, wait, you can't you can't just bring up sea turtle and then not explain this well, is how they is
1: taught that? us as kids to remember the levels of heaven they're like sea turtle so there's the celestial the terrestrial and the telestial kingdoms okay sea, all right, turtle. So, sea turtle all right so that's how we remembered it so you've got the highest one then you got the telestial kingdom which is like probably for like your people who like go to church and they um maybe they didn't get married in the temple but like they're they're members of the church now and they're like kind of doing their thing but they're not like living it to the to its entirety and then you have people who are like what what mormon culture calls jack mormons which are the mormons who claim to be mormon and they would identify as mormon but they basically don't follow any of the rules they drink they um curse they do they don't wear their mormon underwear (laughs) that the mormon underwear i keep bringing it up because that's (laughs) such a big deal in mormonism like they're so weird about their underwear so um so like they would view the lowest kingdom as basically the equivalent of earth and you're kind of just reliving earth so if you're in that one it's like yeah it's it's better than this earth but only slightly like you might still have things like depression and war and (laughs) homelessness and things like that like you might struggle with earthly issues at the lower level dude i've never
0: thought of being broke in heaven but wow it would be something else
1: (laughs) yeah like you're still like dang god how do i create money like i don't know (laughs) what their game plan is with that but the whole premise is like if you're in the celestial kingdom you can visit your family members in the lower ones but the low if you're stuck in one of the lower ones you cannot like visit your celestial peeps so a lot of people in mormonism who fully believe it Well, it causes a lot of issues within family dynamics, because if you fully believe in the doctrine of the Mormon church and one of your kids, let's say, doesn't believe or doesn't start following it to the T, then in your mind as a parent, you're thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to the celestial kingdom and I'm not even going to be able to be with my kids. And like, it causes major tiffs between family members because they're like wanting to save you essentially so badly. And- I mean the Mormon doctrine in and of itself is wildly inconsistent and all across the board and it contradicts itself with everything. And I would say this it's similar in Christianity, biblical Christianity, but like
0: 100%. Mormons
1: it's like a a next level of that. Like nothing makes
0: sense. That's interesting. I so I have a few friends who are Mormon. Um I've never asked them about their religion because I didn't wanna I don't know how comfortable they are with me asking. You know, weird questions. So, I've just kind of taken whatever they told me. But that's interesting. I had never heard of sea turtle before, or the levels. That's huh.
1: yeah. They don't really talk about like there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to Mormonism that the public eye doesn't really see, and it's not because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Well, some things we're not allowed to talk about, but like I talk about all that stuff right now, anyways. But like an active Mormon would probably. Be way open to answering any questions. The only things they're going to shy away from is like things that pertain specifically to what goes down in the temple, because those are all supposed to be sacred. But I expose those secrets all day. <laughs> and, um, and like, yeah, like with the, with the, even with the garments, like the underwear thing, like they would answer, I don't think it would offend anybody. Like they'd be like, yeah, we wear these for this reason and blah. Cause I mean, they think they have, the the truest church out of anybody they think every single person is wrong aside from them so they're happy to answer questions because they want to baptize you that's fair (laughs) but mormons typically like especially outside of utah will come across fairly normal and very nice and like quick to jump into acts of service if like somebody in their neighborhood's moving like they're going to be on that immediately and like Help with funerals and weddings and whatever, but um, but then when you really dive de- like dive deep, it just gets weird, and they just don't realize how weird it is. Like they don't realize how outrageous some of the things that they believe and are saying are. They just are indoctrinated so deeply.
0: And, and would you say that's just because they grew up in it, so they don't really know any different, or?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's very rare to find. I mean, I have barely met any converts, is what they call them, like, to, like people who have been baptized in their adult years. I have met maybe a handful of converts in my whole life. Most people that I know that I've come across who are Mormon in Maryland, New York, and here, um, Salt Lake, are born and raised into it. So you just never question. And I mean, mm-hmm. a huge issue in the Mormon church is that you're told from a young age and you sing songs as little kids where the lyric is like, don't doubt, like if anything, doubt your doubts before you doubt truth. So we're very much embedded in this idea of like, you can't doubt anything because doubting is almost a sin. Like they wouldn't say that straight out, like doubting's a sin, but that's how they operate. Like my, my mom, when my sister was getting married in the temple, my mom, her her temple recommend, which is basically your passport to get into the temple, expired. It expires like every two years. And you have to go into your bishop and answer like these 10 questions like, do you believe that Joseph Smith was a true prophet? Do you believe that we have prophets here today? Blah, blah. And if you have to answer all those questions, yes. And then they they renew your recommend. But my mom decided to, I don't know if she was trying to be like facetious or what, but she tried to just ask questions she was like well i yeah like you know i've always believed that but like do i believe it to this degree i don't know and she was kind of like oh, challenging really? her bishop in that moment and just because she was asking too many questions he did not sign her off for approval for her recommend. so she could not see my sister get married
0: oh my god really
1: yeah so questioning and doubting is very much something that like leadership would probably be threatened by and um not everyone but the majority and um yeah it's 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 really crazy you just you really don't question anything like at this point all of my siblings i'm the oldest of seven so all of them have left the mormon church at this point just as of this last year, like the last couple trickled out. And we're like reliving these things in our mind. And we're like, why did we believe that? Like my brother-in-law is struggling so much because he's like, I'm embarrassed that I believe these things. And I'm like, dude, you can't be embarrassed because you were told these things from the time that you were born and all through your adolescent life, and then all right. through your your adult years where your brain is still developing. Like our right. brains don't fully develop till we're in our late 20s. So every, every ounce, every second of our brain development was, was being tampered by like a belief in an organization that wasn't true. And so even just learning how to think for yourself has been something that we've actually had to actively work on, like with therapy and open communication and things like that.
0: Wow. So what what was kind of the tipping point for all of you guys? Like I'm sure it was just one in a domino effect from leaving, but what was kind of the tipping point that forced you? I guess I should say you in particular to leave?
1: That's a great question. I so okay, so timeline-wise, I left the Mormon church about six to seven years ago. Um, and and right away jumped into Christianity, right. And then left that in the last year. So what's heavily embedded in my trauma brain side of my brain right now is more catered to Christianity. So I'm, I'm actually having to go back and like, remember, like, okay, let me go down the archives of my brain and remember leaving Mormonism. So I left, I was the first person of all my, of my whole family to leave pretty much. Um, And I left when I got divorced. So my ex-husband was like very heavily embedded in the Mormon church. He was like the person who believed it to an extreme. Like he was the type of, he was a great person, but very much like brainwashed. So like him as a human being, good person, but like can't, can't function outside of the Mormon church. He's the type of person where if you're driving to church on Sunday morning and you see somebody on the side of the road who needs help but if you help them, you're gonna be late to church, he would pass them to be on time to church because that's what he. Oh, I think I lost
0: you. Oh no, I think I lost you. Oh no. All right. For those of you listening, a little technical difficulty here. We're going to try to get Rachel back on as soon as we can. All right. We're back.
1: Okay. We're back.
0: (laughs) So I, I, uh, last thing I heard was, um, he would, if there was someone on the side of the road that needed help, he would, he would pass them to to be on time for church.
1: Yeah. Like that's, that's usually the example that I use just to explain generally how they think, like they just view that they're just not thinking about what's actually important because they're not able to, they were not taught to do that. They were just taught that these things are important. So let me check those boxes off first. So, um, but we got together and I, you know, I felt in the beginning of our relationship, like it was a right relationship because i had partied a lot in college and i was like but i grew up mormon and at this point i still identified as a mormon but didn't follow a lot of it Mm -hmm. and i just thought you know he's gonna keep me on the straight and narrow so and he was attracted to the rebel for whatever reason because he at the end of the day like doesn't want the rebel but um but we we came together we dated for like a year got married and our marriage didn't even make it to a year point like we got divorced Uh after like 10 months, because he had basically said, this is like the cliff notes version, but he had basically said like, let's get married in the temple. And then you can take things at your own pace. And I like really did not want to get married in the temple. I was like, that is a level that I'm not ready for yet, but I did it anyway. Cause he's like, you know, promising we'll take it at your own pace. What, what's, well, then what's, like 10 the, months...
0: what's the reasoning for not wanting to get married in the temple? Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Just So just... once you get married in the temple, like for me, it
1: was, it was like, deep reasons and superficial reasons. So like the superficial reasons were like, I didn't want to wear the Mormon underwear. I was like, no, like I just, that's not me. And once you get married in the temple, like that's something that you now have to do, which some people view it as like, they're excited for that. And I was not excited for that. So I was like, I don't want to do that because then it's not just the discomfort of the garment itself. It's the fact that Once my whole family knows that I've gotten married in the temple, if I ever show up to any event at any point in the future now with shorts, slightly shorter than knee length, they're like immediately judging me in that Mm -hmm. moment. And I was not wanting to add an extra layer of judgment to my life that I didn't need, but it was so important to him. So I was like, okay, we'll get married in the temple. That's fine. In hindsight, I'm glad that we did just so that I now know what goes down in there. And now I can like help people process that. But we do that. I'm expecting that he's going to give me years to get to his level of worthiness. And he waits about 10 months and then is like, okay, no, this isn't working out. And like leaves pretty much out of nowhere.
0: And like our marriage was, you know, it had
1: its ups and down, like we 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 just were not meant to be like we were so different so when we got divorced a lot of his reasoning that was thrown in my face were reasons that had to do with like my level of worthiness or lack thereof in Mormonism and that I was not going to like help him get to the celestial kingdom like the highest level and like I just really like that stuff started rubbing me the wrong way and I was so hurt in this time period of my life just from the divorce itself and I was like this doesn't make sense so I started I started really diving into like the doctrine at that point and basically being like I don't think that I can stay in this church anymore after all that's gone down but I don't want to leave it just because I was burned by a person like if this church is true then I want to be able to figure that out and hopefully stay well as i'm deconstructing the doctrine i very quickly find out that it's complete bullshit and i'm like okay i guess i'm leaving and it was it was a very painful process but but i had Christianity on the backside of that to kind of cushion the blow so now leaving Christianity with like nothing to cushion the blow like no new religion to jump into it's way it's it, that has been way worse than my experience leaving Mormonism but like in the beginning in the first few months I was just like wrecked I was like my whole life is a lie I don't know how to believe in anything else anymore so that's why that's why I left and then all my siblings trickled out for totally different reasons
0: so what was it about christianity that sort of was attractive to you when you were um so
1: there were like a couple main things one being that in the mormon church you have the prophet who you're taught directly speaks to God. So you don't have to have personal revelation of any sort. You just get to sit there and take notes and hear exactly what God is saying verbatim to this dude. And you just take that as truth. And that's like a very freeing, peaceful way to live. It's just kind of like the ignorance is bliss type life. And so when I jumped into Christianity and was taught like, Oh, you can have your own personal revelation. And like it, in and through the Holy spirit. And if you just discern these things, like you can be your own prophet essentially. And I was like, okay, I really like that. I can have a personal relationship with God, the personal relationship in general, like my, my personal relationship I had with Jesus, the Jesus of Christianity. I was like, Whoa, these people, Christians, actually know about jesus and talk about jesus whereas mormons claim to be the church of jesus christ yet barely talk about jesus like they'll talk about prophets and mormon doctrine way more than they talk about jesus christ the person or their savior so i was like oh my gosh Kay, these guys actually know what's up these guys like really know a shit ton about jesus and i was like excited hesitant but excited to dive into the bible and to find like real truth (laughs) And, and um so there was that the personal relationship that was that was probably like the number one and then i'm a musician and i i gravitate to music more than anything in life and music has always been the most healing thing for me so i immediately when i found christianity also jumped into a worship team and was like very heavily embedded in this worship team for years. Um, And I started thinking that like, okay, this is my love language with God. Like worship is so cool. Like I, I was like, okay, the Mormons, you guys suck. Like you're just sitting there singing hymns, acting like you're so reverent and you've got the truest truth. But then I've got these Christians who are like, who are like so emotionally embedded in who Jesus is and are going to like talk about Him when they're drunk at a bar and when they're sober on Saturday morning, like Jesus is just around everything. So I was like, I was like, okay, this is really cool. Like, this is what I pictured heaven being like way more lively. I went to a very Hillsong type church. So it was like flashy lights, big band. I was essentially in the role of worship pastor. And I only say essentially because we didn't have a worship pastor at this point. So me and this one other guy led the team fully. We were like the top of the top for that team for years. and I loved it. I thought that everything I was feeling in those moments of spontaneous worship was the Holy Spirit and that I was just super anointed when now I pan back and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a, a practiced musician who can make things up on the spot easily. And if I have a band who knows me well and a partner who knows me well, we're going to make some pretty epic moments happen that's so awesome. so I was very enticed by like the idea of worship the the atmosphere that worship brought I was like this is reverence Mormons sitting there with their hymns and being super boring and making church super boring was like I was like oh i've I've found truth now I' found I found how to do it the right way
0: that's that's interesting um yeah thank you for sharing that Yeah. I, I didn't
1: even know what was going to come out. To be honest, I haven't answered that question in full in a really long time. I mean, or even a cliff notes version of that.
0: No, no, it's, it's always interesting to me when you hear, when someone has left a church or left a certain religion, it's, it's always wild to hear the reason why they got into it in the first place. And Mm -hmm. what was the reason for leaving. And it's, it's always like for you, you're a musician. I'm also a musician. I don't know if you knew that. Um,
1: Yep. as I can see in the background, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it now. We'll have to collab.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, but I can I can relate though with that that feeling you get when you have a high going from you know playing with people who you know well, and when you're just right in the pocket, really going. I can see how that yes. could be. You know, it, it's very much as a spiritual experience. So I, I totally understand what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it immediately made me feel like, I mean, in Mormonism, I'm, I'm taught that like these feelings that I have at church camp and stuff mean that. Are directly like like correlated with the fact that what i'm sitting in and what i'm hearing is truth so i i viewed my emotions as like okay this is a sign of like i'm in truth so then when i get to a setting like worship and the music is really good and like really made and catered to pull emotion out of you i'm like <laughs> Oh, I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like taken over. I'm slain in the spirit about this freaking <laughs> music that I'm just now associating with because of my indoctrination and in Mormonism. I'm now associating worship and that feeling that I got with like truth. And I'm like, oh, okay, that I'm in a good spot. Like I'm, I'm going in the right direction. But yeah, so Christianity, I mean, I would not ever recommend to a Mormon who's leaving the Mormon church. To jump into Christianity, but like for me personally, it saved my life for the season that I had it that I was heavily embedded in there like I was suicidal from eighth grade till 26 and then I remember like 26 27 28 not experiencing suicidal ideation on a daily basis, and I thought that's because I had Jesus. Now I've uncovered probably what it actually was, but like it did help me get to a point where I could breathe and not think about suicide regularly.
0: Kind of wild, not not to get super dark, but the suicidal thoughts. I've I've also struggled with those thoughts for a long okay, time. Okay, yeah. Honestly, since I was a little kid, since I was like okay. four or five years old, and being totally honest with you, uh, I don't know if I've ever actually told someone that before um wow okay we're getting in we're going in today no but uh yeah up until somewhat recently i would say the last couple years um yeah very regularly it was i was so i always had this weird thought and i actually wrote an anonymous article for vox at one point that they published um for said, Fox. Uh, Vox. V O X. Oh, was, I
1: was like for Fox News. No, 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 okay. no, no,
0: no, no, no. Vox that they actually okay. published, and I, I did it anonymously, and it was, I'm suicidal, but I don't want to kill myself. Yeah. And it, it's it's this totally weird feeling that. that I've had. Yeah, a weird feeling I've had my entire life. Like when I I remember being four and like seeing a knife there and being like, I could. I could and then I would actually get the knife and like put it right here like I could if I wanted to and then I'd put it back and being like and I did that for years like my fiance doesn't even know I used to do that on a regular basis at home
1: and um just like very quickly like tempted to almost act but then you have to like talk your brain out of it yeah
0: not even talk my brain out of it it was I want to do this but I don't want to die yeah, because your fear of death, I was exactly just going to
1: say, I was like, what a weird parallel to have both of those going on at the same time.
0: And it's, I think I'm just now noticing now that I'm talking to you, that that was probably why I had such an insane fear of dying. Because I kind of had this feeling like it was probably going to be me was the reason why and I didn't want to get into a mental space. Wow. To, to where I would die. Wow, this is weird. Okay. Wow! <laughs> oh, woo! We are getting okay. after
1: it. That honestly, that yeah, is. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing because honestly, no, yeah. that is. I'm th- that is not something that like uh that that people yeah feel like vulnerable enough to share often but it's something that so many people go through and like I I mean I worked in as a suicide interventionalist for 10 years so I've heard anything and everything and I've seen a lot of stuff and like that that is there's a lot of power in saying it out loud like you just did because Uh, I I feel like if the more we keep it in the more we live in that like pain ourselves and then that's like secret in a way it's just it's free I've noticed it bring people weird. a lot of freedom to just be able to talk about it out loud and not make it weird like I don't think I that that's, that's too dark I'm not weirded out right now like it's just like yeah you want to you want to kill yourself cool me I wasn't too even,
0: I wasn't even saying dark for you it was kind of dark for me that was weird I've literally never said that out loud before that was weird that Sorry, is I'm, I'm having like like a yeah like we're a- having a moment I, I'm even having one like just psychologically right now. I'm like holy shit that was what was going on my whole life wow yeah Rachel, you're seeing me at a very weird point right now
1: <laughs> I'm honored honestly thank you for for just allowing yourself to kind of go there because that is it's it's a very um <clears throat> what's the word it's it's a very fragile process to go through <laughs> uncovering like especially from childhood which is happening to you right now
0: yeah uncovering
1: why we may have felt those things
0: it's weird Uh, man
1: that's crazy
0: yeah wow okay cool uh (laughs) weird yeah i don't even know where to go from here after that that was that was kind of wild i wasn't expecting that um
1: (laughs) well i think it's great i think it's awesome that that's that that came out like seriously thank you for sharing because that I've always wondered if people, if everybody in the world was just forced to be honest with themselves for one second, how, what the percentage would be for people who want, want to die or who kind of struggled with what you're struggling with is like, I don't want to live, but I don't want to die. I don't want to know what's going to happen to me after this. And I'm afraid of that. But I don't want to be feeling what I'm feeling right now. And I don't want to have to deal with whatever is going on in my life right now. And so escapism becomes something that's common in our brain. And for a lot of people, escapism could be actually doing things and going and leaving and being a traveler. And for some people, that is just suicidal ideation. And you just fantasize all the way down this line of like, for like for me, I would just think about it in such detail that I would like picture my own funeral, Dude, and oh who would God, be there, insane. and it's like
0: insane. what songs we would sing. Like yeah, no, like I, so. Full disclosure: I actually made a funeral playlist for myself on on Spotify at one point that I hid from everyone else. Did not. And I did hold too. Well, I deleted it like three weeks ago. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. i had forgot about it. And I saw it when I was going through Spotify and I'm like, huh, you know, I don't really need that. And I literally like three weeks ago, I deleted it.
1: What made you like actually hit the delete button and not just think like, maybe I should delete this. Like what actually got you to like, make that movie.
0: <sighs> You're going to laugh. Um, I've been getting rid of a lot of stuff. So I've lost about a hundred pounds over the last year and a half. And I've been wow, getting, congrats. getting rid of a lot of- Thank you. Um, I've been getting rid of a lot of stuff like bigger clothes and stuff that was around there just to get it out of the house. Right. And I was just sort of in that mind space, like get old shit out of my house. And I happened to be going through Spotify and seeing that and being like, you know what? Nah, I don't need it. Like I was in that mindset, like just get rid of it. So it wasn't even like a conscious thing. Like I was thinking like it's time to delete this. And there was no emotion. attached. It was just, yeah, I don't need this anymore.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. Okay like you got taken aback a few minutes ago yeah. that just like sent me somewhere else. To me If you it's
0: just it's coming.
1: just wild like that's just it's crazy how powerful our our mind is. Like yeah, it's yeah. just it your mind like your mind got to such a dark space in regards to detailed suicidal ideation that you created a funeral playlist. Mm-hmm. Like That is not, that doesn't, I don't hear that and think that that's weird because I have had the same experience and have witnessed a lot of people who have, but it's just every single time it never ceases to shock me how powerful our, our mind is and how things like what you just did, like deleting it, how like ceremonial things like that can be super healing too and necessary for our healing. Like that's a big deal three weeks ago. Like that's a really, really big deal. Like that's, that's huge. Like that I'm, I'm really excited for, for to kind of like watch your journey now unfold. Like now that we're friends now, um, I'm really excited to kind of just watch how this plays out because that's like a really big deal, especially with something that you've struggled with since you were a kid.
0: Yeah, it it was honestly, I didn't think it was a big deal until now. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's a playlist that I've had. It's Spotify, but so I've had it for like 10 years, but it's a thought I've always had, you know, like, what, what would be the song they'd play? What would be, you know, the, like, yeah. a, you know, I'm the main character of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you, you also did that. You made a playlist.
1: Yeah. Isn't that so weird? That was probably like seven years ago. And I I don't know where it is now, but I do remember like a couple of the songs on there and I I have verbalized to my siblings on multiple occasions. Like if I die, I want this, this, and this. Like I have made it, made my aftermath of my death as detailedly written out as possible so that people didn't have to carry a burden of thinking of what to do or what would I want? Like, I just wanted to make it easier. And the, the problem with like suicidal ideation and the world that we live in is nobody gives it enough credit. And this could, this is, this could be a controversial statement what I'm about to say, but I mean, I've talked with many people who I've had friends who have gone through chemo and who have had cancer and I would put suicidal ideation at the exact same level of death risk as cancer, and I know that that would get some pushback because people are like, "Well, no, they think that God. suicidal ideation is a choice." But then when oh, I go no, into the not, science of that, it's not a choice at all. It's not a choice. So death by suicide is ju- needs to be treated the same way that death by cancer is treated. Like when you get cancer and people find out you're going through chemo, you get lasagnas left and right at your door and you get all the support in the world and nobody expects anything of you and when you're dealing with suicidal ideation it is just as taxing mentally and physically like it is trauma your brain is in trauma mode and like it's it i've viewed it as like i'm going to kill myself at some point so i'm gonna Put things in place that will make it easier on my family, so that when I do pass, they don't have to worry about these things. Same way, if somebody had stage four cancer and they knew they were going to die, how people do that, and they write letters for their kids, quinceañeras, and their kids like weddings and things that they can open after they die. I went through that process to a certain extent. It's
0: it's it's never like it's very rarely, I should say, a very spur of the moment thing. It's it's not. It's a very what very spur of the moment like people don't just decide like you know what I've had enough for today I'm gonna go you know that that's not how that works yeah no I feel like so often people think that like oh if I could have been there if I could like that's not you're oversimplifying it yeah yeah you don't even know how much you're oversimplifying it like um I remember there was a girl when I was in high school she unfortunately did commit suicide And I felt so bad because I had known her since I I went to, I was in the same grade as her sister and we had gone to school together since like first grade. So I I knew her since she was a little kid. I think she was like 15 when she, you know, decided to kill herself. And uh, my first thought when I found out she did, it was good for her. I remember that. I can relate. Yeah. And I felt like such an awful person, but then I, years later, I thought about why I thought that. And I was like, you know what? It's because who's to tell someone that they're wrong or selfish for doing that like and and not that i'm saying not that i'm trying to encourage people to do it because obviously right you know if if you're at that space get some help you know but who's to say like if you're just done like you don't want to do it anymore who's to say that you you should have to you know that's a really like like morbid way to think but not that i ever want someone to do that but who's to say it's not their life you know
1: Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, like you saying that people who refuse to put themselves in a place of empathy and compassion for those who struggle with suicidal ideation would maybe hear what you just said and go like, what a morbid thought. How could you say that? That's going to lead somebody to kill. Like in no way is what we're talking about right now and how, and how real you're saying these things going to lead somebody to kill themselves or make them feel like they now have permission to do so that thought only comes from people who are grossly oversimplifying the process of suicide
0: I wouldn't even say that I think it's people who make it about themselves because the majority of people when it comes to death what's the first thing that people think this impacts me how not I feel bad for the person that died it's oh my god I'm so sad Oh, my God, I'm so angry. Oh, my God, I'm so this, that, or the other. So when you talk about suicide and someone maybe that they know choosing to not live anymore because they don't want to or because they they don't feel like they can, the immediate thought that they have is, oh, my God, well, what if I did that? Or, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go through that grief. That's what hits them first. It's not, I don't want them to die. It's how is this going to affect me? Wait, hold on. No, what are you saying? You're going to cause me to have pain if they do this. And that that's feels so sad. true.
1: That's so accurate. I, yeah, I had a friend, um, commit suicide in 2018 and sorry, I will sorry. never forget the funeral. Um, something that his mom said, which I found very healing because I've, for a, most of my life, I've been around people who refuse to understand what I'm, what, what it is that I'm feeling. And this was a Mormon family. So I was already kind of on edge going to the funeral. I was like, oh, they're going to be weird about it. Cause usually they are weird about suicide or drug overdoses and things. And they're not going to be transparent about it. And it's going to be weird. And I'm going to be triggered. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking the whole time. So I go there, I, I say hi to his mom, you know, express my condolences. And then she just like, she just like pulls me to the side and she's just like, he was just too pure for this world. Like this world was just too harsh and he just couldn't, like his heart like was too big for this world. And I was like, like that, that's so tragic but it's so tragically beautiful that a mother who is clearly disappointed in what has gone down because she is in excruciating pain, a pain that I cannot like fathom is like able to recognize that the only reason that he did this was because his heart, and this is so true to who he was as a person, his heart was just so big and the things of the world and the, 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 if you want to call it evil or whatever of the world was just too much for like his heart to handle. And I just thought that that was a really beautiful, graceful way to handle his situation without ignoring the pain that he was in without trying to avoid the fact that it was a suicide like none of that they were very open about it and his brother spoke too and when his brother spoke he was like you know taylor told me that he was probably gonna do this and like he's been telling me for years and i just like finally i got to a point where i just basically was like dude like i get it like you have fought really really hard like i get it and again His brother giving him that permission was in no way why he did it. His brother could have said the exact opposite and he still would have killed himself. But the fact that his family was able to kind of recognize and treat it like he died of cancer almost was a very unique healing experience for, for me to witness, especially coming from a more, a religious family.
0: See the the people that I know that have, done it for the most part have been catholic growing up um catholicism is very clear about how they feel about suicide okay yeah not you're not getting to heaven if you do that because you you're throwing away your one precious gift that god gives you and you know what have you so yeah (sighs) there was always like an added layer of oh my god my baby's in hell every time i was at a funeral for that and it was just (sighs) obviously sad because it's a funeral right but there's this added layer that wasn't there. If someone, if it happened in like a car accident, you know, of like, like this fear for them, like, Oh my God, what's going to become of them. What's going to happen with them. And God, I hated that so much.
1: It's so tragic because it's like, they're not bad people for believing what they were indoctrinated into believing, but it's, it, it makes me, it makes me hate religion that much more because I feel empathy for the parents too who actually oh, yeah. I'm like man that is so sad it's heartbreaking that they believe that because their grief process is going to be so much more difficult now like if impossible if I believed I got really close my dad almost died um from like a blood, like an internal bleeding situation um just a couple years ago he's young super young like early 50s my parents are way young um and he almost died. And and my my pastor's response was like very much catered to seeing if I was okay, but not because he almost died. They were like basically checking in to be like, yeah, if your dad would have died right then, like he would have gone to hell cause he's not a believer yet. So how do you feel like, are you okay in that regard? And, and I started believing like for a period of time for my second half of being a Christian. I started actually believing that my family who wasn't believers were gonna go to hell. And it was like, I never went down that road in my mind cause it was too much. And I'm glad that I've now, I'm now out of that without having to go down that painful road. But I can't imagine, like my dad is like my best friend and my hero, so I cannot imagine believing after you're already dealing with the death of that person, then having to believe that they are like in a fiery pit, getting just like mauled by a bear every five seconds, like or whatever the fuck they want to believe hell is. I mean, that is so sad to me. All that to say, I have found the backside of religion and just uh, living in like a, I don't know, nor do I need to know agnostic spiritual type realm has been, wildly more peaceful than i thought it would be
0: isn't it wild how that happens that happened with me too when i finally just accepted that's how i felt it was it it was almost like i didn't have to worry about what's after this i could just enjoy my life you know yeah and like before i felt like i was living my life or being told to live my life so that way you're rewarded with another life that was just so weird to me because I'm like, well, what if you're wrong? And then you just wasted this one being like, I want this one, and then you never get it. You know, that's then, I mean, so
1: like, funny that you just phrased it like that. Because last night I had a conversation with my siblings, and th- those exact words came out of our mouth. Because we're just getting to a point where, in our belief, I guess, where we are like, okay, I think that even though we've been taught our whole life that this life is a test if you zoom out, that makes absolutely no sense. And if you start like reframing your way of living in the sense of like, life is a gift not a test and maybe this is the only time like I don't know I'm just spewing this out but maybe this is the only time we'll experience like a human vessel but like our energy and our consciousness has been proven to kind of still continue so I don't know what that looks like but like what if this is the only time that we get to experience like a human body and the the beauty and the pain that comes with that and like whatever I don't know what the next life or whatever is gonna feel or look like or be but if earth is the only time we experience earth, then it's like we need to live like re- like religion claims to be like, if you believe this, you're going li- to you're going to be free and you're going to be able to live. But I'm like the whole premise that all religions basically teach of like this life doesn't matter because it's all about the next one. Then what the fuck was the point exactly. of this life? <laughs> like that makes no sense to me even if god even if a god is real that makes no sense to me that a god would create it in that way
0: for me it always seemed like a little like puppet master you know what i mean like like if there's a god up there he's toying with you like oh no do what i said or else or else you know like right I, i always hated feeling like that like it was just right i don't know well i hate to cut it off but we actually are at an hour believe it or not
1: that's great. I feel like we covered some gnarly topics. That's I, awesome. I, I think it's safe to say
0: we are no longer perfect strangers. And yes. another uh, old circle. Neither of us are perfect. Neither of us are strangers. That's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I've, I've genuinely enjoyed this conversation. I would love to have you back on at some point. Um, I also, I oh, love your, boy. I got to say, I love your your whole TikTok channel and what it's dedicated to. Like Thanks I saw that first video and I was like, this chick is awesome. I was also your 10,000th follow. Just want to throw that out. Yes,
1: you were. You were my 10,000th follow. That's so dope. That's like something <laughs> I will always remember. Like the few, the first friends that you meet as a TikTok creator <laughs> are like always gonna be in my soul as like buddies for life.
0: Well, before we go, um, do you want to tell people where they can find you online, find your TikToks, find anything like that?
1: Yeah, okay. Okay, people. Um You can find me basically just on TikTok right now. I do have an Instagram, but both of the usernames are the same. It's just Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L underscore wonder, W-U-N-D-E-R. TikTok is my main platform right now. And then I will be starting a podcast YouTube situation that I haven't launched yet. But follow the TikTok because then you will get updates on that as well.
0: Rachel, thank you so much for being on. I've genuinely enjoyed this.
1: Kirby, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. And thank you, everyone, for listening.